everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Just like the opening chords of Millie Vanilli's Girl You Know It's True, hearing my guest name fills me with tremendous nostalgia for the music and comedy <laughs> of the 1990s. Bill Bellamy has spent more than three decades, God, that's a lot, doing stand-up acting and yes. movies and on TV. He has now written a book called Top Billin', Stories of Laughter, Lessons, and Triumph. His book... His podcast is also called Top Billin'. That makes it easy. Is a mm-hmm. huge hit as well. So grab a beanie baby, Papa Zima, and please welcome <laughs> Bill Bellamy to Group I forgot about Zima. Oh my God. I had one of my really good friends was in a Zima commercial. We still give him crap. Oh my God. Zima was the you know, I was on a Zima comedy tour. I remember Zima was profit. Yeah, oh and well, by the way. God. And they, they, you know, the kids all think they're so cool with whatever that crap is called. And you want to say, honey, don't talk to me till you can drink a Bartles and James. Yeah, talk <laughs> to me when you can knock back that B&J. <laughs> White Claw, you, it's got, you guys got nothing with White Claw. Show me like a Zima. We were doing that in the 90s. We were Zima. We were Zima. We were doing uh, Bartles and James. I'm trying to think else. what else was popping back then. You're just taking me back. Cross Colors. Oh, um, it was all so disgusting. Sean John came out back then. Yeah, yeah I remember like, all that 90s stuff. Yeah, Loud give me a, Colors. Loud. Yeah. Everything was yellow, orange, lime. <laughs> I know. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. I okay. want to talk about your new memoir, which is wonderful. It's heartfelt. It's funny. Yes. When you were doing and and knocking out bangers, when you were knocking out, I can't even say this, bringer sets at Rascals um, right. <laughs> in West Orange, New Jersey, did you ever think a memoir was in your future? No, Melissa. It was, it's so interesting. Like, even when you say that, it's like a trip because it's like, wow, that, it seems so mature and so like uh, legendary. Adult. An adult, right? And I feel like every time I say I'm an author, I feel like so refined. Like, <laughs> oh my God. You know, but during COVID, um, when we were just, you know, nothing was moving around. And I, w- I had already had a deal with um, Harper Collins at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this time to really just dig into my life. And, you know, so I go in my archives. I was always taking pictures, always had a camera with me, right? Thank God. Because when I went into old boxes, we got the negatives, we got the old Kodak. Uh, you remember we used to get it in the sleeve and, and you have to go through your pictures and some of them were blurry, you throw them out. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking at these photos and I'm going, oh, my God, I forgot about that. That was crazy. Oh, my God, I was in Hawaii with Mariah Carey. That's right. Like, so I'm going over my life. And then I started to think about the impact of that time. Like people can't go back to the nineties and, and, and enjoy what we did. They can't go back and like know what it was like when Zima first came out and you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when the first time we were doing things for in with, with complete freedom, you know. And so I when I was sitting with Nicole Smith who helped me write my book, she was like, Bill, you came up in a really special time. Do you realize that like that was an age or a decade of innocence. It was a decade of creativity, a decade where pop culture exploded and you were in the middle of it. You have a story. I said, oh, snap. 
And so I just started writing, you know, my experiences and choices that I made that I could have went left. I went right. And thank God I went right because it was on the right path to get to this, to that. And what I hope with the book, I hope people will realize that you can't allow other people to put limit your vision. Like you, cause some people cannot see what you see, Melissa. Like you could be like, I I'm going to go to medical school. They'd be like, what? Oh, come on. You're not going to go to medical school. You're like, no, I actually see myself being a doctor. Always want to be a doctor. And you can start making choices. Next thing you know, you're a doctor. Everybody will tell you it's impossible. And that's what happened to me. You know, people are like, you can't be in the entertainment business. How is that possible? Like, are you, did you go to acting school? I was like, no. I was like, I want to be a comedian. Did you, did you learn how to be a comic? No, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, and I'm jumping ahead and I was thinking about this. You yes. went to Rutgers and have yes. an economics degree. And I can't think of anyone in finance, which I'm sure was where you were heading with that. I mean, yes. when you're interviewing at JP Morgan, they don't want someone that they go, oh, God, that's a good one. Right, 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 you know, right. They that's really not don't. what they're looking for. No, that is not the guy that they want, right? Um, I didn't know I was going to be a comedian. Actually, like you said, I, I uh, my major was economics. My minor was in marketing, and I knew that I definitely wanted to, you know, be in the business world. And at that time, um, I was interested in working on Wall Street. I was working. I was working towards like, okay, well. I love money. I love that world of, you know, knowing how things move and investments and things of that nature. I said, I would love to be a, work on uh, the stock exchange. That was one of my ideas in my head. I was like, that'd be dope. The energy of the stock exchange could be a young guy out there killing it, you know? And I didn't know I was going to get side swiped with something else that I wanted to do. Because when you're a creative person, you will have tons of ideas. Like, you know, you just have, it's like writing songs. And your ideas are your songs, right? So you write little songs. And then I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll write that song all the way through. I'm going to write a verse. And then I, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I I might be like one of those sort of like eclectic guys where, you know, I have this mind that just is so open to the possibilities that I'm too silly to even know that it's impossible. I, I don't even see that part. Well, and, and we both... You were a little bit ahead of me, but we both came out of college in, again, the rough and tumble 90s with friends going into finance. Yes. And it, I mean, I had, I mean, and I went to Penn where half of them are Wharton undergrads. Yes. So, so you can only imagine. And I always look at them and some of them are so funny. And I think about how did you sit there all day being so serious and it, the other yeah. thing that's funny is <laughs> but what it is also which i find in common are the hours because yeah. of the amount of work and i don't know it, were you prepared for the amount of work becoming a successful comic would take because it's, it's hours upon hours it's not just the performing no, it's a lot of commitments, like you said. And, you know, you grew up in this world where you, you see on all angles the business, your practice of it, your mom doing shows here, this, that, boom, bam, boom. Like, so you know it like I know it, right? It, but I didn't know that part of it. I just was like, well, well, maybe I'll get a show, right? 
And maybe right. I'll do 10 minutes. And when, you, when you're new, you don't get a lot of time. You get like five, you get five to seven, then you get to 15, and then you get to 20. You know what I mean? You never get the hour, right? So, yeah. So you're practicing, you're grinding. I'm, you know, I'm shooting up from Jersey to New York and getting a guest spot for 10 minutes. But my parking costs $90, right? You know, so it's like we didn't have Uber back then. We was like, no. I was double parking and I was running. I was ro- rolling the dice that I wouldn't get told, you know, watch my car, watch my car, watch my car. I'll be right back and I'll run into uh, Catch a Rise and Star. I'd run uptown, you know, I was all over the place. But but I never felt like it was work. That was a good thing. Like, because I was always excited to be funny, like. You know, I was like, damn, man, wait till they see me in Connecticut. Wait till they see me in Philly. You know, I always felt like I had something to prove. Like, they're going to see that I'm one of the funniest dudes they ever seen. You know, that kind of thing. What was, what is, what, what's your process? Because my mom was always writing, writing things down. She was very much a grinder. Then it would go into her act when she would be trying out material before it mm-hmm. got into the Vegas act or Correct. onto a TV show. And she was, she would grind. Yes. Well, see, that's old school. Yeah. That's old school. And I'm a part of that generation, like a little bit too, because like that was how we did it back in the day. You would practice, practice until perfect. You made a show ready. And so in order to do that, you would have to write like my process now is like I come up with a premise, right? Right. I will I will do it in my phone. Like, you know, 25 years ago, we can put it in our phone. You just be like, okay, I want to do this joke about getting older. Oh my God, I got to do this. I don't want to be the oldest guy in the world. I just, that'll be the premise, right? And then I'll go back and I'll just start writing around that premise about getting older and how when you you know, old man, like you just don't want to be that old man. If you get old, you want to be the cool old dude. You don't want to be the old dude that's just sitting there. Uh, uh, right? So I write the joke, keep playing with it, keep playing with it, going to going to club, keep playing with it, tweak it, doing this, doing that, don't like that. And then when I finally get it right, now it's ready for a theater show. It's it's gonna be funny in the middle, I mean, the beginning, the middle, and the end, it's going to have purpose. It's going to have all that like sauce in it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like, honestly, it's like making a meal, really. Jokes are like making a meal and you got to keep putting the right ingredients until it tastes really good. It's also like being an athlete. Practice, 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 practice. Yeah, you have to. And, and you know, I say to all the new guys, you know, sort of the social media comedians that are coming over into the game is that being funny on social media is great. It's one thing to be funny on stage is a craft. That is like, that's an exercise in another muscle that you might not get from your phone. Like this microphone, stool, maybe you have some water and go. And these people are looking at you like, make me laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> the expectation is crazy, especially if they're paying over $30, you know? Especially New Yorkers, if they pay fifty, you better be funny from start to finish. One hundred percent. Was there? The book is amazing because, again, like you said, it it tracks the sudden much of it tracks the nineties. But your childhood, your parents had you very young. Mm-hmm. You talk yes. about being having to be independent. Yes. Um, I'm sure at the time it didn't feel like you were gaining a life skill. 
But how much do you think that played into your ability to get onto the road, to be able to be, and being a road comic, and that's a compliment, is very lonely. Yeah, yeah man, it is. And, and, and there's so many different ways to do it. For people who don't know about me, you know, I was what they call a latchkey kid. You know, we, um, me and my sister were very young. I could, at 10 to between 10 and 12 years old, I was riding the public bus by myself with my sister. Like we had to get from point A to point B. And um, we had people that looked out for us, you know, um, they made sure we got on the bus and we had the crossing guard that would wait for us and see me and my little sister or whatever. But we did that independently as kids. Just think about that. You wouldn't let your child get on the train and go from from Brooklyn to Queens. You'd be like, what? At 10 years, oh, oh my God, I got to go with my baby. You probably have a heart attack just thinking about it, right? But we were doing that. So inadvertently, I think, I was more mature than I should have been at that age. Like be just out of pure necessity, a survival. Um, my conditions were were uh, of such that I need to, you know, um, catch the bus to school. My parents were working and they couldn't take us, so they had to teach us how to do it ourselves, right? And the beauty in that was, it's like a it's like a skill, a life skill of survival. How to win. You can feed yourself. You do not have to wait for me to come home to take care of you. You know where this is. You know how to do that. So you start self-managing early. And I didn't think about it at all until I was doing a book. You know, I was like, I thought every kid had to do that. Like, I didn't, like, yeah. I didn't know. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought every kid had their own key and would, you know, get on the bus or get on the train and go home and you know go a while before they get home and get off and get the house right right um but now when you look back at it what 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 a inadvertent superpower because you learn early how to forget how to how to um figure things out how to um manage a situation at an early age so now um grown man Little stuff don't even bother me. I, 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 it goes, it just shoots by me like Cheryl, that ain't nothing, right? It's nothing, you know what I mean? Organizing my travel, logistics, getting here, that and the other. Now, of course, I have people to help me, but if I had to do it and when I was doing it, it was nothing to me. Like, I knew how to manage my time, I knew how to, you know, um, get my rest, you know, like, okay, well, I'm. I can't party all night tonight. Tonight is not. I got to do radio, TV tomorrow, so I got to take it in. I can do that another night. Like so, it's always choices that you make. Um, and you know, thirty years in, I'm here to tell the story, which is a blessing. So people can go back with me, and I hope that my book makes people feel good and that they are inspired. Like I just hope that when they read it, they're gonna go like, "Oh my God, I was at." So-and-so high school in the ninth grade, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, enough depth in you being smart. I want to get shallow because that's my happy place. Right. right? <laughs> what did you want to put in the book that you said to yourself, I better not? And by the way, you can give examples and just change names, like a rhyme, like for example, to say, Rhymes with schmace of bass. 
Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> make some bait, right, go ahead. Like, what didn't make the book that was, that you went, oh, God, I'm, because I know when I wrote my, write my books, I'm always like, there's stuff you're like, ah, oh, crap, I really wanted to keep that in, but my lawyer uh, yeah, says there I was, can't. There was, yeah, there was, there was, there was, um, there's a really, really funny story uh, about when I went to Michael Jackson's house. That is so hilarious. Oh, tell, tell, but, tell. No, but 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 the thing no. about it is, okay, you know what? You're no fun. <laughs> I know, but listen, but it didn't make the book because because you can't. This is what I find because legal, oh, legal. You do a book. Oh my God, legal is like the the police. Oh, you can't say it like that. You, uh-huh. everything's what. Um, the thing what I wanted to say is I wanted because I did the audio book as well, and mm-hmm. you know everyone knows I tell these funny stories. I wanted to tell the story on how amazing the house was to me. I've never seen no shit like this. Like I was, I was like, oh my god, like like you got your own zoo. Like when you got your own zoo, you gotta understand what I'm trying to say to you. Oh, I like, do. Do you understand how much money you have to have to feed your own giraffe? (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand how much money when you have more than one lion? (laughs) They don't eat Chick-fil-A. They don't. (laughs) They don't. They don't eat Chick-fil-A. They don't eat like stuff like, hey, they eat other stuff. Okay. And I'm like, so when I was telling the story, oh, legal NDAs, oh my God, I know it's funny, Bellamy, however, no, we can't, we can't. So I, I wanted to tell that story because I know my real fans would would be in tears. And he had his own ice cream parlor. Well, he also had some other things that aren't so good to yeah. talk about, but okay. that's not why well, we're here. Well, I'm talking about the I'm talking about fun shit. I know you are. So like, there's a great story that not many people know about my mom. She had, in one of her books, she had written something about Kristen Stewart um, when she was caught kissing the director of her movie. Remember, that was like a big thing. Right. And legal, Kristen Stewart's um, legal called My Mom's Legal, and they wanted it taken out of the book, and blah, 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 and defamation. So my mom said, go ahead, because I'm going to go to court, and I'm going to bring a doll and ask, where did he touch you? (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you serious? We all saw the pictures of you making out with the director of your movie. Show me where else he touched you. (laughs) Silent. They never pursued it. Hey, hey. That is the line of lies. That um, that reminds me about uh, when Kanye West was saying all this stuff about Anne, uh, Amber Rose uh-huh. in the interview. And she said, um, this is her verbatim quote. She said, you didn't say nothing when you asked me to put my finger in your booty. He was like. <laughs> I know. I remember that. It was like. It was like, oh, so back to you, Ted. You, you got to go to weather. <laughs> yeah. You got to get out of there. You know? 
back back to Al Roker. Hey, Al, what's right. the forecast? Um, speaking of booty. Right. Oh, my God, they're screaming downstairs. I can hear them with laughter. Um, <laughs> it's not good that you and I get the giggles. We need our own show where we'll do yeah, we, nothing but laugh. But, yeah. But giggle. Sure. So you coined the phrase <laughs> booty call. call. So yeah. you are now in the pantheon with like Rodney Dangerfield. I don't get no respect. My mom right. with Can We Talk. Um, how did booty call come to you and come out of your mouth on stage? Now, well, by the way, uh, I also put you in the realm of major cultural significance because you also interviewed Tupac and Biggie and found a way to stay neutral in the whole on, 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 on jam, you know, whatever the show was on MT, MTV jams, jams and stay in the middle safely of the East Coast, West Coast. So there's no way that you knew the cultural significance of booty call when it flew out of your mouth. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I would be lying if I said that, but I just knew it was funny because it's a funny word. It's like right. booty call, right? When you say it, it doesn't sound bad because you got to think in the early 90s, we really, the language was such so stiff. Like you couldn't go on network TV and say, you know, I got some ass, you know, or whatever. Right. So I was like, damn, man, what? I was like, man, what if you could make a booty? I said it to myself and I heard it. I said, that shit funny. Because some words just sound funny. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm going to write a joke around booty call. So booty call really is Friday night. Booty call is literally Friday night when you got a new apartment and you ain't, you single and you're trying to get somebody over there. And, and that's the thing. Back then we didn't have phones that, you had to use use your roller that used to really have a black book back in the day. Like that was the thing you would look like. But I had a roller deck. Like I oh, used yeah. to, so I used to do this. So then <laughs> when I thought about it, I was like, "What if you're thumbing? Like you, you know, like Wheel of Fortune, you sliding, up. <laughs> and every time you stop, it's a girl. Through the roof, funny, just through. so you basically." You dial it for, for booty, you like for 800, Keisha, no. <laughs> well, when I used to do that shit in the club, pandemonium. Everybody got a joke that's a comedian that killed, and you just know when I drop this one, it's going to be like a nuclear explosion, right? And so I didn't know it was going to be like, oh my God, like every sitcom uses it. Now it's so synonymous with, you know, saying about, you know, a late night rendezvous or whatever. And, but it's a fun way to say it. I saw it on, they said that shit on Friends. Oh, yeah. Don't you oh, wish God, you had, Ross. Don't you wish you had trademarked it? <laughs> I kill myself right now for that. What? Oh, but that was like with us, with Live from the Red Carpet. Why, or who are you wearing? What the fuck were we thinking? Well, but see, we what? We comics are different. Comics are creative people. And a lot of times we just say it and don't realize how profound it is. It just comes out like a like a like a a note on a on a on a on a song or or, or a chord. Like you could be playing a chord and you'd be like, that's a nice ass chord. But like, yo, that's never been done before. You might want to patent that goddamn chord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know so what I mean? 
And I come out of the same years at MTV that you did. And it was so and fun and it was so wild. You now have teenagers. Yes. Oh. Exactly. Uh, and I have found this with my son, who's now 22. Sometimes I look at him and I go, I mattered and was cool at one point. And they just roll their eyes at you. Oh, my God. They think we, my kids don't know their daddy. Your daddy is black. Like, your exactly. daddy is a cool motherfucker. Right? So, so they like, oh, dad. Oh, God, dad. I mean, God, dad. You are so like like lame or like old school right and i'm like yo do you understand that your dad is a walking legend but i'm in carpool just because of you i'm only in carpool because of you if i didn't know you i would i'd be somewhere else i'd be on a private plane right now i'm in carpool i'm doing pancake day yeah <laughs> but like cooper they're like he's... mr bellamy i'm are you doing the pancakes or are you doing the waffles? Like when I did, when I was doing all the kids stuff, I felt so normal. It was so fun though. I love the, you know, but my kids now we tease each other. They're like, dad, you're, you got to get some more drip. My son told me I got to get more drip. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. I love the I fact like, though, that oh they now God. think that they're the one first ones to have cool catchphrases yeah. or, or words. Like when you go, dude, that was so rad. I used yeah. hella. I used hella the other day, and my and it was just because I was talking fast. And my son turned around and goes, "Don't use that." Like, <laughs> I didn't well, mean to, asshole. It, just, it came out. Mom wore was one of the first ones to wear Doc Martens with mismatched laces on Let's with go. shorts Let's on go. on. Uh, doing interviews, okay? Fuck off. Nobody was doing that. Mommy was doing that, baby. Get your weight up. Exactly. But some of the stuff, ironically, some of the styles are coming back, which is really kind of cool that um, some of the stuff from the 90s in the fashion, like some of the memory we were wearing more bigger clothes. Do you have I'm any? Seeing... Do you have any of like your sort of stuff from the 90s still that have your kids picked through it? Like they must rock no, 90 days, have, 90s day like, at school. Like I give you an example. Like I have like a vintage old school MTV t-shirt that somebody probably would like go crazy over. I have all my rock and jock jerseys from oh like the God. basketball, football. Like I, I literally saw a dude came up to me at my son's basketball tournament. I swear to God. And he asked me to sign with my name on it. It was, he got it from a thrift store. And it had my name on it. <laughs> Swear to God. One of my jerseys he had, it had Bellamy on it. I said, that's crazy. So well, I, I signed it for him. I love that you probably go from honored, like, oh my God, until they drop the bomb of thrift store. I was like, oh, uh, it was in a thrift store? How much it cost you? $4? Okay, cool. <laughs> they, no, they weren't even trying to sell it on eBay. No. no. <laughs> Like I'm they, bigger than that, right? <laughs> and so, how old are your kids? You do have a teenage daughter. Yeah, both of them. Um, my son. Oh, I thought you had a boy and a girl. I do. So oh. I have. I have. My son is 16. My daughter is 19. So this year is going to be interesting because Bailey will be 20 in the summer and Baron will be 17, which is crazy. So he's going into his senior year in the fall. In high school, she's going into her junior year in college. Make it happen. Make it make it make sense. It was like just like this. I just sent the 
This is what I love about the iPhone. Even though it gets in your business, iPhone will pull out a picture on you and make you cry one day. You'd be like, oh my God. My kids were so small. They were both like, they were like six and three. Adorable. Where were those days? Oh, my son had the bib. He had, no, he was probably younger than that. He had, he was probably like almost one because he had a, like a little bib thing. He was, and he had a stain on it. I, was, I remember feeding him and he, when he was little like that. He never just, just a mess. Now he's, now he wants to wrestle me all the time. All the time. The little kid that I used to, right here, now he wants to wrestle. He wants to fight. He wants to play basketball with me. I'm like, man, I got to stay young just so I can keep up with this boat. Yeah, I, 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 those pictures come up and I'm always sending them to Cooper. And I sent him one the <laughs> other day that I love. And all he said was, oh, my God, you still have a picture with me wearing a retainer? <laughs> See, that, I, they they got to respect the game. You the queen around there. Melissa, you better tell <laughs> Tell your son to call me. His mama is everything. He is. He's a. He's a. He's a great kid, and especially because I was a single mom. He's a great kid. But so your daughter is nineteen. Yeah. This is a big question. Would you have let her go on Beach House? I would have went with her though. <laughs> <laughs> that would kill the no. vibe. Yeah, Beach House was bomb. Yep. Here's what was cool about the MTV Beach House, man. We were young. We were having fun. We had no social media. There was no sort of like uh, stiffness at, in the culture at that point. And I remember, and this is so crazy. I remember feeling like I was the first black guy that a lot of white kids met. It was so funny because they'd be like, dude, like, why could you go to my school? Or like, they would say like, Bill Bellamy, you're like the coolest guy I ever met. Or girls would be like, oh my God, you like, I'm, I've, I've had a crush on you for two years. I saw you, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, what? Then, and then I would always get invited to stuff. Bill, you gotta come. You gotta come to our mansion. You gotta come. You gotta come. My parents gotta meet you. You were like the bad, badass. You're so badass, right? So it was so cool because I was that if in a lot of cases, you know, some kids first sort of interaction with other cultures mm -hmm. and we were seeing how much we had in common. We did see certain things that we didn't know about each other, but it was people were curious. Like people were people weren't going, oh no. People were like, oh shit, this is kind of cool, you know. And so I met different people, you know, uh from different cultures and uh I got a chance to go out to dinner with people I probably would have never went out with if I had I not been on MTV and different artists, different styles of artists. You know, I mean, I interviewed Kurt Cobain. Next thing you know, like you said, Ace of Bass, Blind Melon, Snoop, uh, Tupac, uh, Jay-Z. Like, it was everything. I remember the first time I met Little Kim, she was really little. I was like, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, I thought they were just saying that. No, you really little. You like little, little. <laughs> and you now know. we've all seen her boobs. I mean, it was such right. a, I mean, you just brought up the people that you talked about. And I know in the moment, none of us realize the cultural significance. Correct. Of, of the people that we're interacting with. Do you ever step back and say, and, I, and, and, and especially with the book, my life was a snapshot of people that really moved the needle 
Yes. It is. All right, let me give you an example, right? It was so profound that the timing of when I got into the music business, entertainment world, I had an interview yesterday on my podcast and uh, it was Laurel Howry. And he said, dude, do you understand that you were in the right moment when all the legends was alive? I said, oh shit. I didn't think of it like that. He was like, what was crazy? I'm in the eighth grade watching you with all the legends that were alive at that time. Prince, Whitney, Luther Vandross, uh, 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 and on and on and on, Kirk Cobain, whatever, right? All these guys were alive and they were doing legendary shit. They were breaking records. They were selling records. They were touring, you know what I'm saying? And I, my young ass is just like, hey, hi, hi, Whitney. Hi, 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 Michael. Hi, whatever. And we all kicking it. And they're saying, yo, we got to talk with Bill because Bill has the eye and the ear of the kids that, that buy music. And that's how it worked. And it was so crazy. It's almost like I was the best DJ in the world or something. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like MTV I, was my radio station, so to speak. Because I know with like the people I've worked with and met and had the honor of being around, suddenly you hit a certain age, as much as I hate to say that, where you do, and I'm sure that's part of the motivation of the book, where you go, I didn't, you know, it's that old horrible saying, if I knew then what I know now. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely true. I mean, I didn't realize how profound it truly was until I started looking at those pictures and I had the time, like, you know, when you are working, I do comedy, I do TV, movies. I'm always jumping from project to project. I, I'm, I'm never sitting home for six months just doing nothing. I'm always doing something, right? So when COVID hit and there was nothing to do at all, really, uh, people were afraid. People were staying in their house. People were like, oh, my God, we're going to make a garden and have our old veggies, you know, doing all kinds of shit. I was like, let me just look at my pictures, you know, and... uh I was like, damn, that's crazy. I remember that. That was like 92. You know what I'm saying? And then I was like, yo. So what happened with those pictures, it made me appreciate my life. Like, thank God. Like, thank God I got a chance to live that life. Thank God I recorded a lot of the moments. And then also a lot of my shit is documented. You can go on YouTube right now and pull up me and Janet Jackson. And people be like, what? There's a certain generation that might not know that connection. They're looking at Janet Jackson now as the veteran. She made a way for Beyonce. She made a way for um, uh, uh, Cardi B and all these girls that are doing concerts. Like the brat was the first female artist to ever go platinum rapper ever. Now, Nikki, Nikki sells millions, millions. Everybody's like, when it, somebody opened the door, you know what I mean? Well, this just this morning, the uh, inductees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame came out, and Missy Elliott. What? The most underrated superstar ever. Yeah. She's... Singer, songwriter, rapper, does it all, producer. She she should have been in 10 years ago. Yeah. Easy. Now, before I let you go, I Please. have to ask about celebrity yeah. ghost stories. I have to be <laughs> honest and say my mom was on it, too. 
and mm-hmm. I missed, and I don't remember your episode because I was probably having to like sage her apartment so she could sleep. Right. <laughs> so, what what was your celebrity ghost story? Oh, so my celebrity ghost story was crazy, right? So, I when I first moved to LA, you know, I got this big old house and shit, and uh, I'm I'm there. I got my little sister, and you know, blah blah blah, whatever. And I, you know, it's still the house was literally too big, but whatever. I forget it's LA, y'all, you know. And so, I I had a weird ass sort of dream thing. I don't know what it was like. I had like a literally like, you know how when you're dreaming and you're like right in that sweet spot where you don't know if you're awake or you're dreaming. And on my celebrity ghost story, there was a young girl who came up to my, my hand was out and I, she was tapping my hand like this, like I'm rubbing my hand, like almost to get my attention. Right. So I, but the crazy thing, I couldn't turn my head. Like I remember I, I wanted this, I knew it was a kid. I knew it was young, and I remember she had like a bracelet on her wrist because it touched my skin. So I knew it was a bracelet, right? So I was like, "Some somebody's kid is in my room." I look out the window, I see uh, a little girl doing jump rope. I'm like, "Whose kid is in my yard?" That's crazy. I'm thinking I'm going crazy. Not even a week later. A lady shows up at my house, right? Unannounced. Hits the gate. Boom, boom, boom. I'm looking. I'm like, I don't know this chick. Can I help you? She was like, hey, how you doing? Um, This is going to sound weird, but I grew up in this house. What, ma'am? If you don't stop with the bullshit, right? Because I'm like, I'm not trying to get by, right? So, right, right. So I'm talking through her through the gate, right? So she's right. talking through the gate. And she's like, I um, I have the weirdest thing to tell you. And I was like, what's going on? She was like, I grew up in this house. I don't know if you're going to believe me, but I used to, my room was the back room. I she, she told me everything about the house and then the bathroom was this, this, that, and the other way. And I used to play in the backyard. Let me tell you something. I said, ma'am, get away from me. I said, because <laughs> you probably, you a walking ghost, you something going on, there's some spooky shit going on. I'm the only black person in this neighborhood. I try to go to jail. So listen. You're not going to hey, scare me out of the neighborhood. You're not going to scare me out of the neighborhood. <laughs> I bought this house. You can't do this to me. So, anyway, so I told that story on ghost stories, and everybody was like, Daniel, Bill, that you ain't selling that house. I was like, nah, I was like, I didn't know. It was just a freaky encounter, but true start. Scary it, shit. What? Yeah, it was scary. So, how do you explain well, it? So, I can't well, make it make she sense. She could have actually lived in the house. But why did I have that dream? Why did I have that dream? Why was it a girl, not a boy? And it was why was it a younger person that I could tell that I could see? the little pigtail when she was jumping rope right there i could see it right through glass in the yard like yeah like literally i thought i was awake i was like yo whose kid is in my yard i was seeing no, it I, like that i totally believe you i totally yeah. believe you can't you. make and, it, you can't make that shit up and very often i just say to myself <laughs> if i'm having trouble sleeping 
and I and and I'm restless. I'm always like, "Mom, just fucking stop. I'm tired." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I know sleepy. she's not there, but it's like, "Quit getting in my head." <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Bill Bellamy, always a pleasure. The new book called Top Villains, Stories of Laughter, Lessons, and Triumph. And also check out his podcast called Top Villain. I love you so much. Thank you, Melissa. You my girl. And do not let your kids think you're not cool. You a cool ass mama. Let's go. Thank you. You are too. We were, you know what? We were cool. You just have to believe it. They don't want to believe it, but we sound cool. We just... Yeah, we pay for that education from being cool. Don't you forget that. <laughs> Thank you. Love you to death, man. Have a Love beautiful you. weekend. That's good. A Huda Media Production.